Well, good morning. I'm Tom Nelson. Welcome to uh, the Leeward campus. Isn't it a great morning? I mean, just uh, fall, and I hear there's a big game going on or something like that, too. Uh, but we're really glad you're here, and uh, if you're visiting especially, I want to give you a very warm welcome. Um, we uh, enjoy your presence, so we hope you sense Christ here as well. Last week, Liz and I, uh, my bride of, well, many years, uh, attended a movie. We went to a movie, and it's called When the Game Stands Tall. I don't know if you've seen it uh, or planning on seeing it, but it tells the true story of a high school football streak of 150 wins in a row. <laughs> That's pretty amazing in Concord, California, and um, it's a sports movie, but it's more than that. So if you're into sports movies, I like sports movies. Um, but Sony Pictures president, uh, Steve Borsch, mentioned this. I thought he said this. He said, at its core, this is a timeless and universal story about character, hard work, and love. Now, I want to suggest that this movie will probably not win an Oscar uh, or be a blockbuster, but it has an Oscar-winning message. And that message is, is that leaders matter. The megaphone of human history reminds us of this, does it not? That nations rise and fall on the quality of their leadership. That businesses, athletic teams, institutions rise and fall on their leadership. That local churches and parachurch organizations rise and fall on their leadership. Leadership matters. Because for good or bad, leaders are the difference. I timed that just right, didn't I? <laughs> One of my favorite websites uh, that gives me a bit of needed comic relief uh, is despair.com. And uh, if, you, if you like despair.com, this is my favorite poster of despair.com. I think we have it right here. It's entitled Leaders. And then the subtitle is Leaders Are Like Eagles. We don't have either of them here. That's pretty good, isn't it? Now, now, humor aside, I want to suggest to you that the greatest crisis of our time is the deficiency of leadership. In our families, in our businesses, in our educational institutions, our courtrooms, in our government, and within the walls of faith communities. Seems to me across the wide spectrum of our cultures, our ethnicities of faith and non-faith, of progressive and conservative political ideologies, the cry of our time is for better leadership. But who will answer this cry? Where will this leadership our society so desperately needs come from? Now, tragically, I fear that many in the church today are spending much more time criticizing our leaders than praying for them, and rather than developing the leaders our culture so desperately needs. Now, of course, there's plenty of blame to go around every corner of society. But I want to suggest to you a bold statement. I believe the leadership crisis of our time is first and foremost a damnable indictment on the church. Now, you may disagree with that bold statement, but let me tell you why I lead with it. I believe the Holy Scriptures teach from cover to cover that God designed the family in creation and the church in redemption, both to be the primary institutions through which leadership is formed, it is sustained, it is deployed to the world. 
from cradle to grave, the local church is uniquely called and uniquely supernaturally gifted to develop and multiply leaders. As image bearers of the triune God, each one of us here, the person right next to you, was created by God to exercise dominion within the created order to cultivate blessing from the created order, that is, to influence the world around you. So we believe at Christ's community passionately. Everyone here, younger and older, and in between our leaders. This is why from the inception of Christ's community 25 years ago, we have been so deeply and unwaveringly committed to nurture a leadership culture for our world. In his very insightful book, Heroic Leadership, I commend it to you. J.P. Morgan's Chris Lowney laments the leadership deficiency in our culture, and he looks to the 450-year history of one of the most impacting religious orders ever assembled on this earth, the Jesuits, who had such a profound influence on institutions and education and culture, and he looks to them for the model of leadership today. In a chapter that truly is insightful and compelling, entitled Revolutionary Leadership, Lowney points to the bedrock principle that guided the Jesuits' amazing 450-year impact on the world. And this is what he says. Their principles are rooted in the notion that we are all leaders and that our whole lives are filled with leadership opportunities. We can be leaders in everything we do, in our work, in our daily lives, when teaching others and learning from others. Now, let me say this very clearly for your contemplation this morning. Whether you have a formal position of leadership or not, you are a leader. You have spheres of influence with your siblings at home, your friends at school, your neighbors next door, or your colleagues in the office. We were all created to be leaders, And if we have embraced the gospel, we have been rescued by his amazing grace to be gospel-transformed leaders in our world. The last two Sundays at Christ's Community, we have been having a family conversation. Our conversation between our two series, message series, is about who we are as a church and where we're heading in the third decade of our existence. And if you're visiting today, I'm so glad you are here. And I hope that you will be encouraged as you sit in and listen to our conversation. And if you're checking out the Christian faith and have lots of questions, you are so welcome here. And I hope you will find a thoughtful community here who wants to engage life well. And I hope you'll be encouraged in this family conversation. From our inception 25 years ago, we have had a mission statement that has guided us from the very beginning. And that mission statement is, we desire to be a caring family of multiplying disciples, influencing our community and our world for Jesus Christ. And we've said the last two Sundays, flowing right at the heart of this mission statement that we are so passionate about, is that we are about multiplying churches, multiplying disciples, and multiplying leaders. And this morning's message caps those three messages, because leaders are the connecting thread of all of that. So we want to focus this morning on our passion and our unwavering commitment to multiply leaders. I'd like you to turn, if you haven't turned already there, to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul makes the big point that leaders make a big difference. And I'd like to raise three questions in Ephesians chapter 4, which Paul is addressing. First, he is saying, why do Christian leaders make a difference? Why do Christian leaders make a difference? 
Secondly, how do Christian leaders make a difference? And last, I'd like to press in for all of us, how do you make a difference? So first, why do Christian leaders make such a difference? Now, to understand this text, we need to see it as a unit from verse 1 to 16. And in verses 1 through 16, Paul will address the question, why Christian leaders make such a big difference, by pointing out three key truths. First, that leaders follow Jesus well. Secondly, leaders are gifted by the Spirit. And third, leaders help others grow. So first, leaders will follow Jesus well. Now notice in verses 1 through 6, as Paul enters this text, as we enter it with him, you'll notice that Paul emphasizes repeatedly the word called. Do you see it? We are all called. And inherent in the idea of a calling is a caller and that we are to follow the caller. When we study Jesus' teaching in the New Testament, we realize that Jesus turned the top-down view of leadership and that upside-down in the world. Jesus made it clear that leadership is not first influence, it is first followership. In other words, to lead well, we must follow well. To lead your peers at school, your family at home, your colleagues in the office is first to follow the greatest leader who ever graced this planet. So Jesus teaches, and Paul emphasizes, by our calling, to lead well, we must follow well. That's how we make a difference. But secondly, notice where Paul goes. And he says, Christian leaders make a difference because we are gifted by the Spirit. After emphasizing in verse 4, if you have your Bible open, you'll notice the emphasis on the unity of the Spirit Paul makes this point in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now you will notice Paul does something unusual here. This whole section is really about us together as the local church. But all of a sudden he leaves that and he points to us as individuals. See this little phrase? To each one of us. Just like we individually come to faith in Jesus... Paul is going to say that each one of us is individually gifted by the Holy Spirit when we come to faith and empowered to lead, to influence others around us. And notice in verse 11, Paul logically emphasizes the leadership gifts of the church. Those leadership gifts that help the church be this womb of leadership development and an incubator for leadership for the world. Now, one of the questions I'm often asked as a pastor I'm asked lots of questions, but one of them I'm asked by Christians, those who follow Jesus, commonly say, how do I know what my spiritual gift or gifts are? You ever had that question? Maybe you struggle with that if you're a Christian. And the simple answer, I know there are you know, spiritual gift tests and all kinds of things like that, but the most simple answer is really the most profound, and that is simply to start serving others in your church, in your home, in your neighborhood, and your workplace. And others around you will begin to affirm how God has made you and how the Spirit has equipped you. Now, I came to faith as a young boy early on in my life. And I am sure to tell you this morning, I had no idea what a spiritual gift was or what I had or anything like that. But my Sunday school teacher, that's what we called him in those days, my children's ministry leader, her name was Jenny Johnson, a dear lady, And I remember, as it was yesterday, 
After one of my feeble attempts, she'd ask some of the class members to recite something. And I probably was scared spitless, but I got in front of the class and recited something. And afterwards, after I was, you know, shaken in my boots, she said to me, I'll never forget, she called me Tommy. I love that. You can call me Tommy. Uh, Tommy, you did that well. I go, oh, yeah? But I'll never forget it. See, through my life, there have been adults and leaders and pastors and coaches and teachers and friends that have helped me see how God made me. And other Christians who have affirmed how the Spirit has gifted me for the good of others to lead. And one of my hopes for our congregation is that we'd each help each other See how the Holy Spirit has gifted us to contribute to others and to have influence and lead others. Some of you in our congregation have been given by the Spirit the gift of leadership, the spiritual gift of leadership. And when you see it, let's affirm it. And let's not forget that all of us, even though we may not have that special gift of the leadership gift, we are all called to lead. Just like not all of us have the gift, spiritual gift of giving, but all of us are called to give generously of our tithes and offering. Or not all of us have a gift of hospitality. And when we see that, we should affirm it. But all of us are to be hospitable. See, Paul is reminding us that big differences come when we follow Jesus. Big differences come around us when we are gifted by the Spirit. And notice, we make a difference third by helping others grow. This is where Paul goes in the text. Notice how Paul highlights the spiritual gifts of the church. And then in verse 12, he uses this phrase, notice, to equip the saints for ministry. Literally, the word means serving others for the building up of the body of Christ. He uses this little word, little word equip. It's kind of a different word. And in the original language, this word was used to describe a vocational idea of work, not accidental by Paul. And it was used to describe fishermen or fisher. Uh, I guess fisher people (laughs) in our day, um, who, after they had been fishing all night, needed their nets repaired. In other words, as you were fishing, you had nets that would break. So this idea of equipping is to mend someone so that they can do what they were called to do. That's the idea. So leaders in the local church help others move from brokenness to wholeness so they can serve and have an influence. And notice in verse 14, where this text all builds to, is that leaders nurture not only right behavior, but right belief. Al Mohler, who leads Southern Seminary, a wonderful leader, has written a book recently called Conviction to Lead. And this is what he says. He says, if our leaders are not passionately driven by right beliefs, we are headed for disaster. At the same time, if believers cannot lead, we are headed nowhere. And then he says this, I want to see a generation arise that is simultaneously leading with conviction and driven by the conviction to lead. The generation that accomplishes this will set the world on fire. This is what Paul is saying. He's reminding us in this chapter that the local church is at the very epicenter of God's redemptive mission in the world. There is no plan B. Why is it at the center? In this text, we see from cradle to grave, the local church is uniquely called, it is supernaturally gifted, to develop and multiply and unleash leaders for our world. That's at the heart of its mission. It's uniquely designed that way. 
So why do Christian leaders make a difference? They follow Jesus well. They are supernaturally gifted by the Spirit. And they are regularly investing in helping others to grow. So how do Christian leaders make a difference? You'll notice in this text that Paul is writing to a local church. He is writing to a, a group that is established, an institution, an organization. This is important not to miss. We believe that enduring change requires both individual transformation and institutional transformation. And we often say around here, if you've been at Christ Me a while, we say this axiomatic truth that we believe in from the tip of our toes to the top of our head. And that is, without individuals, nothing ever changes, but without institutions, nothing ever endures. The Apostle Paul writes, affirming this idea in 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul is writing to a pastor who is at the local church in Ephesus, a church that's both organic and an institution, a place and a people. And Paul writes these words to young Timothy. He says, Timothy, the things you have seen from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What Paul is saying is that leaders make a difference when individuals invest their lives in others. When individuals invest their lives in others. Now, Dan and Linda Hakes are amazing members of Christ's community. I love this picture. I think, actually, they told me they're not here this today. They're at Iowa State. I guess K-State kind of beat up on them for you K-State fans. But their son goes to Iowa State. But they are amazing leaders at Christ's community. For 14 years, Dan and Linda have invested their lives in young leaders in our children's and student ministry programs. If you talk to Dan, he'll say he began investing his life in third grade leaders. And when I asked him about his commitment, this is what he said to me. He says, hopefully I can be an instrument for God to spur on this faith journey with these precious kids. He says, it's pretty simple, Tom. God has equipped me to lead in this way. But Dan married well. He married up, of course. His bride, Linda, as Reed Kappel, our student ministry high school pastor here at the Leewood campus, said, Linda really rocks. And Linda has been working and investing her life for 10 years with a group of younger girls she has followed from early days to now in high school. And I was chatting with one of our staff and mentioning that I was going to use Dan and Linda and tell just a little of their story. And he said, you just wouldn't believe how Linda has invested in the life of my daughter. She shows up at class activities, at plays. Linda's there. I asked Linda about her commitment to multiply leaders. And I love how she said it. She said, I never feel adequate. <laughs> you relate to that? To lead. But it's always been my prayer, she says, that God will help me be a good listener and to be a godly influence in their lives. And then she says, they know I'm praying for them, and I love them. Dan and Linda Rock. They invest their lives in young leaders. Jerry Avery's like that too, if you know Jerry. <laughs> I've watched Jerry over the years. He always has that wonderful smile. For the last nine years, Jerry has been investing in the same group of boys since kindergarten in this campus. 
And when you're around Jerry, he always lights up talking about his boys. Dan and Linda and Jerry Rock. And if I had time this morning, I know the Chiefs kickoff is not too far down the road. So I'll respect that. I could tell story after story of Christ community members who are quietly, faithfully investing their lives in others, multiplying leaders, and nurturing this dynamic leadership culture that we love at Christ community. I have to tell you, at a memorial service this week, it's been a hard week at the Leeward campus. Glorious and hard both. But after I finished the memorial service, I was out in the lobby and Marcellus Casey, who leads the Kansas City Fellowship of Christian Athletes team, one of our wonderful extension ministry partners, he came up to me and said this right away, before he said, hey, he said, Tom, I want you to know that all of our volunteers and board members, but of all of them we have, there is something different about the Christ community people. They are the finest leaders we have. And I couldn't agree more. This is replicated over and over again wherever I go. In businesses, in educational institutions, in family community service. Everywhere I go, people tell me that. And in the marketplace. One of those marketplace leaders, and there are many hundreds of them at Christ Community, is Philip Sarnicki. Philip is an amazing marketplace leader. And uh, I was with him at his office recently. I was just amazed, and I often visit people's places of business. This is part of what I love to do. And I was chatting with him about his walk with Christ and his leadership and how Christ's community has shaped his understanding of his vocation in leading people. One thing that stood out to me in his office, he leads this Northwestern Mutual Life team here in Kansas City, is the number of younger business associates all around the office. And I asked Philip, I said, I'm seeing something here that really excites me. So tell me about the leadership culture. He says, what I try to do, Tom, is first be a Christ-like example to my team. And then he said this to me. He says, Tom, I'm in the business of growing people, both professionally and personally. Like Dan and Linda, like Jerry and Philip, Each one of us here this morning has been called to invest our lives in the people God has uniquely placed in our lives. Parents, you are called to invest in your children. Grandparents, you are called to invest in your grandchildren. I hear this grandparent thing is a good gig. And I know many of you are investing in your kids. I was running at the park yesterday. I saw the most beautiful scene of grandma and grandpa with their young granddaughter teaching her how to ride a bike. I almost cried. Who has God called you to invest in? Teachers, coaches. Are you pouring your life into your students and your team? How do Christians, how do Christian leaders make a difference? We intentionally invest our lives in others with passion, with love, and reckless abandonment for the glory of God and the good of our culture.
But Christian leaders also make a big difference. When we build and sustain institutions that are intentional about developing leaders, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. For without thriving institutions, nothing ever endures. Developing leaders is a collective enterprise we do together, y'all. Across our campuses, we are about developing leaders for our world, for the glory of God, in every nook and cranny of culture. How are we as a multi-site congregation developing leaders? Let me just highlight a few things. Two weeks ago, I highlighted the Awesome Kids Preschool that Bonnie Trainer leads here at this campus. And uh, it just stuns me when I think of the last 13 years that thousands of students, young leaders that are being shaped by her team. This week I saw family after family outside my office drop their precious little kids at Awesome Kids Preschool. Year after year, hundreds of lives are being influenced. Leaders are being developed. This is true in our children and student ministry as well here at the Leeward campus. We have an outstanding staff that I am delighted to work with. We have been blessed with children and student ministry staff who want to come alongside you as parents and help you do your work. The last few years, we have devoted over $7 million to expand Leewood and Olathe campus, primarily for our younger leaders to be nourished and grow. Look what we get to be a part of. God is doing such a wonderful work through us. And if you've been around Christ community for a while, or maybe this is your first day, you've got to know about our pastoral fellowship program. In fact, Andrew Campbell, AC as I call him, he's wired well, Andrew just gave the greeting, and Andrew's one of our fellows. Our pastor fellowship program is simply like a hospital residency program for young pastoral leaders. After they complete their rigorous seminary training at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago, they arrive here, young men and women in Kansas City, spend two years with us. I have said this before, I'll say it again. I think I'm right. Time will tell. Only God knows. But If the history of Christ's community is ever written, it is written on God's heart for sure. Our greatest legacy, perhaps, will be our pastoral fellows. Pastors who will one day, who are already leading in congregations across our country, but one day will influence thousands and thousands of people for Jesus Christ, both at an institutional level and an individual level. In our first decade of our pastoral fellows program, all of us have been a part of this. There are 19 current pastoral fellows. Do you realize that all of our campus pastors, including our fifth campus that we are going to launch in a year, have all been pastoral fellows? Do you realize, and I hope this is a good thing since he abuses me all the time, Pastor Andrew Jones was a fellow, and Andrew Jones said I was in prison or something last week if you were here, I don't know, but ain't I gracious with Jonesy? But aren't you glad he's teaching here along with me now? part of our pastoral fellows program. Our former pastoral fellows serve in right now seven different churches in nine different cities. This year we have our first global pastoral fellow, Kenny Cluett and Marta, his wife, and they will be church planting in Spain in a year or two. We have fellows who are doing their doctorate at Stanford, fellows that doing their doctorate at Trinity. And here's a picture of Our fellows reunion a couple years ago were excited about next summer bringing more back. 
leaders who are making a difference that all of us are invested in through our time, talent, and treasure. And on staff, Pastor Kevin and I, just, we just love getting to serve these people. Ask Kevin, ask me. It's one of the joys of our life. We are just pouring our life in these people. And they are teaching us. Look, to, look what we get to be a part of. Look what God is doing, both individually and as an institution, in impacting the world. Truly, it's marvelous. We have a transforming gospel that speaks into every nook and cranny of life. And if you've been a part of Christ in a while, if not, we want you to catch this. We believe the gospel speaks to Monday's life as much as Sunday's. And we believe there is more that God is prompting us to do in developing leaders, not only for the church, but for important vocations of business and medicine and in education and all aspects of society and every institution in our world. So beginning in the fall of 2015, we are launching something we've been praying about and dreaming about for years. It's our Marketplace Fellows Program, our Kansas City Fellows. It's a nine-month leadership development incubator for college graduates to gain a firm foundation of a faithful Christian life, a seamless faithful presence that connects Sunday to Monday. So Kevin Rockman and his bride, Carol, are amazing people. They've been a part of Christ's community, get this, for 18 years and have served here in so many capacities. Kevin is currently one of our elders and recently he announced his retirement as CFO of Garmin International. And Carol and Kevin sense God's specific calling now in this chapter of life to give leadership to our new Marketplace Fellows Program. And here are Kevin and Carol to tell you about this exciting new initiative that you can be a part of. Watch. We're all pretty fired up about this. So if we're uh, really giddy, we are. And I hope uh, you will be excited with us about the opportunity as we join a handful of churches around the country who are getting very serious about being intentional, about laying a foundation of faithfulness for a whole new generation of marketplace leaders. So again, I want to encourage you to pray for Kevin and Carol. All of us can pray. Uh, You may be thinking about the possibility of hosting a fellow, a marketplace fellow in your home or in your place of business or your school or your medical practice. Uh, it's going to be an amazing time. And one of the things I want to announce this morning that we're very, very excited about, you heard a little bit about this through Kevin and Carol, is that our fellows program now is deepening our partnership with Trinity International University. And of that, uh, in Chicago, a very fine university of which our divinity school is a part, we are making plans now with Trinity to become, uh, in Kansas City, an official extension site for Trinity International University. So this has incredible implications moving forward for all of us and across our campuses. Um, Our fellows will be taking seminary classes with faculty flying in. Uh, The kind of high level, it's one of the finest uh, academic and biblical seminary educations available in the world, will be available uh, here in Kansas City through a combination. Uh, It will also be open to our congregation to take classes. Uh, And so it's going to really open up our opportunities to equip and encourage and multiply our leaders uh, in every level of theological depth and reflection. So Trinity is excited. We're excited about partnering with them at a high level as two institutions of having this presence in Kansas City. So it's an amazing thing that God is doing, and he continues to give us more and more opportunity, and all of us are a part of what God is doing. What an amazing time it is. Look what we get to be a part of. It is truly extraordinary. Well, leaders make a difference. Leaders are the difference. So the question last as I wrap this up is, how will you make a difference? 
How will you make a difference? The most important way we make a difference is for us to be fully present, to bloom where we're planted. Where has God placed you this week? School, in your neighborhood, in the pickup line, at work? Oxford-trained Oz Guinness, who's a friend of Christ's community, a very good cultural observer, said this when he was standing right here a few years ago. He said this, and listen carefully, he says, the problem with Christians in America is not that they aren't where they should be. Rather, they aren't what they should be where they are. So let's be what we should be where we are. How can you and I be a faithful presence for Christ right where God has called us and called you? Let me suggest three words to tuck into your heart as you go this morning. That is learn, mentor, and serve. Learn, mentor, and serve. First, learn. Leaders continually learn from others about leadership. At Christ Community, we have a leadership program that has been with us since the very beginning. It has gone through different changes. It's called Razor's Leadership Pathway. It begins Wednesday night, September 17th, and continues for 10 weeks. Over the years, literally hundreds and hundreds of people have been influenced and powerfully transformed by this conversation of leadership of character and competency, leadership of integrity of heart and wisdom and skillful hands. Across our campuses, over 150 have already signed up this fall. We want to encourage you, if you're newer, to jump in. Go to the web, sign up. If you've been around for a while, you need a sort of a refresher in leadership, we'd love for you to jump back in for 10 weeks. I can't think of a better way to refresh your leadership wherever God has called you. Leaders learn. Second, leaders mentor. Now, when we hear this word, we often push back against it, don't we? Many of us think, hey, I don't have it all together. I'm younger. I can't mentor others. But let me challenge you on that. God has placed you in a certain particular place. There are people all around you, friends, coworkers, classmates, siblings. See, you are all, I'm all, we're all having an influence whether we admit it or not, either for good or bad. The question for all of us, young and old, is what kind of influence are you having? Growing up in a large family, I remember as toward the tail end, the influence my older siblings had on me, both for good and bad. And if you ever hear this message, it was all good, right? (laughs) If you're an older sibling today, what kind of example are you setting for your family, for your brothers, your sisters? Students, I want to talk to you specifically this morning. How are you influencing your friends at school, your fellow teammates, See, students, you are not just preparing to lead later. You are a leader now. God created you to lead at every stage of your life because there are people all around you that are looking at your life and looking for direction. So how are you influencing them? If I were to ask someone in your school, a friend of yours, and mention your name, how would they respond? How do they see you? What is the character of your life? How diligent are you at school or on the team? How kind are you and gracious to everyone? Where is your Christ-like character? Maybe they don't say Christ-like, but do they describe a person who is like Jesus? What does your face page look like? Facebook page look like? What kind of example are you? So you're having an influence on your fellow classmates, on your friends. 
whether you admit it or not. One of the verses of Scripture I want to challenge you students with is 1 Timothy 4.12. I'd encourage you to tuck it in, to memorize it. 1 Timothy 4.12, and to wrap it around your heart this week. Because Paul says to Timothy, let no one look down on your youthfulness. Paul knew that everybody was a leader from cradle to grave. He says, don't look down on your, let anyone look down on you for your age. But notice with what? With your speech, conduct, faith. Love and purity, that's sexual purity, by the way. Show yourself an example to everyone. You are a leader, but will you lead? Will you show your generation a new direction? Will you lead? Will you have an influence? Will you make a difference now? Not just when you're older. One of the things I love is the Christ Community is our MOPS program. And if you have an opportunity to see this, there's a lot of good food at MOPS, Mothers of Preschool. Just want to say I always sneak my head in there because it's such good food. But I love seeing this picture of the church. Younger preschool moms. And there are many of them at our Leewood campus. And there are more seasoned ladies, many of them who are empty nesters, who are working with them together. It's a beautiful picture of mentoring. So who has God placed in your workplace, in your neighborhood, next door, on your athletic team, in your workout center? Where has God placed you this week? And what kind of influence are you having? You were created to lead. You were redeemed to lead. So lead by your life, your actions, and your words. Lastly, serve. How may God be calling you to serve? Maybe it's time to step up and be willing to lead a community group or host a marketplace fellow. Maybe God has nurtured that in your heart this morning when you heard about it. Maybe it's seeking out an extension ministry partner such as Crystal Ray or Mission Adelante or Hope Center and investing in the life of a younger generation of leaders, many of whom do not have the kind of family background and who need someone to guide them and invest their life. If you're a seasoned person, Do not fall into the trap of indulgence, self-indulgence, but give your life away as you've never given it before to a younger generation of leaders. We believe everyone is a leader at Christ's community. We believe that from the bottom of our heart because that's what the scripture teaches. We believe the local church as God designed it is about multiplying churches, multiplying disciples and multiplying leaders. So will you join us? Will you join us with hearts, with hands and minds engaged? Will you with humble bowed knees and rolled up sleeves be a part of the most joyful, amazing and transforming entity ever imagined called the local church that Jesus loves and designed to bring flourishing to the world? And will you embrace the good news of the gospel by grace through faith? Will you follow wholeheartedly the ultimate leader, Jesus, who gave his life on the cross for those he loves and leads? So child, student, young adult, dad, grandpa, grandma, great-grandma, will you lead? Will you lead wherever God has called you as one whose heart is hopelessly love-struck with Jesus? as one who lives before an audience of one who is holy His. 
Leaders are the difference. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, wherever we are this morning, may we recognize the stewardship of our life is not self-absorption, but to give our life away for the glory of Christ and the good of others. May we be the church you called us to be. And Holy Spirit of the living God, do a surprising work in our lives, across our campuses, at the Leewood campus, and begin with me. Be our vision, Lord.